This episode is brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is the number one tool for all podcasters. You can record high fidelity audio between remote locations and get studio quality sound. Go to Zencaster.com and use coupon code that entertains for 20% off for three months or 20% off an annual plan. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. And man, oh man, what an episode we have for you this week, especially after last week's episode where we sat down and played Starcross with Ben Wallace from the Pot of Love podcast. We were also joined by uh, his co-host and wife, Mel Wallace. Uh, we also had Jeff Stormer himself swing by and Blaine Martin uh, from the Refugees of Esmeralda. And now You Are Not Alone podcast uh, swing by. So what a way to kick off episode 150 uh, and and just kind of mark that milestone and, and just kind of continue on here. Um, as I said last week when I was recording my intros or the outro or something, um, that we're nearing the... the the mark where I hit the longest streak in my podcasting career. Um, I, the number 167 sticks out, but there's also a good chance we made it to 175. As I said, I have to look to see where Happy Hour made it to. Um, but regardless, that means we are anywhere from about 17 to 25 episodes off from me officially hitting my longest streak of podcasting, uh, and I'm very, very excited about that. What, what you guys don't know is as of now, as of as I'm recording this intro right here, um, I have up to about 100 uh, episode 158 recorded uh, and ready to go. And, and, and we're going to be uh, hopefully quickly getting some other ones recorded to get us 100% caught up. So we're very closely nearing um, another milestone that I can celebrate personally. Uh, and it's also got me thinking about other things that we want to do for other milestones uh, and some cool ideas popped up for episode 200 or possibly 250, depending on how quickly we can make things come together. That's right. I'm already I'm saying quickly when we're almost a year away from the next milestone. But anyway, uh, this week's episode is going to be a good one. Uh, last week we sat down and we played Starcross. Uh, this week I sit down and talk to uh, the designer and creator of Starcrossed, uh, Alex Roberts. I am super excited that she came on the show. She agreed to be on the show. She's someone that I've wanted on the show for quite some time, actually. Um, and I was always uh, hesitant to approach and ask to be on the show because um, she's part of the One Shot Podcast Network. And um, I don't know, for some reason, I look at everyone involved with that um, that community and that network on a whole nother level uh, playing field than I am. And uh, I don't, I don't know. I have no explanation as why I, I, I fear asking anyone from there to be on the show uh, because so far 
two for two have said yes, and I think maybe I've nonchalantly thrown out some requests to other members of that network, past and present, um, and it was nothing official. So, so I mean, really 100% for official requests. Uh, and Alex Roberts was such a wonderful person to sit down and speak with. Um, I don't, of course, I don't have my show notes in front of me because I am a, a garbage person, but. Um, we sat down and we, we talked about podcasting, we talked about film, we talked about Starcrossed, game design, her new game, uh, For the Queen, um, and uh, so, so much more. She is a podcaster, game designer. You can hear her on uh, the Backstory Podcast, which is part of the One Shot Podcast Network. You can check out uh, Starcrossed, the role-playing game now available. You can buy it. You can go to bit.ly slash RPG. Her new game, bit.ly for the queen, is available. Uh, you can find her on uh, on, on Twitter at MuscularPikachu. Um, uh, the origin of which is pinned right at the top of her profile, so you can find that out. And, of course, you can just go to HelloAlexRoberts.com uh, to find everything she does. It's all right there on HelloAlexRoberts.com. Without further ado, let's kick it off uh, to this great, great interview I had with one uh, Miss Alex Roberts right here on the That's Entertainment Podcast Network on thatentertains.com slash network and, of course, our homepage of homes, awesomepodcast.com. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's just like I started doing it with like when I well, – so I've been podcasting for like since 2007 uh, and the first uh, like – I guess six years, six to seven years of me podcasting was like really radio shock jock hack. Uh, <laughs> like, That's an aesthetic. That's an aesthetic. It, it is, but it's something that you can really only do in your like early to mid twenties. Uh, <laughs> and, and maybe only can do like prior to t- 2000 and I want to say like, let's see, we're in 2018. So like probably tw- prior to 2014, 2015. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I feel like now the, the, the pods, the podcasting landscape demands more. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus like even radio just kind of demands more when it comes to, to your, you know, talk show host. It's not, I don't know. I, it's a whole nother world. Like it's, yeah. it's Im- amazing what they got away with. 10 to 15 years ago uh and just not even like fcc wise i just mean like in the public eye like what was acceptable as like we're allowed to say these things and like the fact that stern was ever able to host a radio show in in the 90s and, and early 2000s amazes me yeah yeah i think i think stern will be pretty confusing to maybe to future historians well and but like, and I, I don't listen to him at all. Like I, I, I when I first got Sirius uh, back, I, I had, a, I went to Sirius because of him, because, it, you know, back I was when he first went to Sirius was when I was a, a hack shock jock guy. Right. And um, when he uh, first went to Sirius, I got, I got it for that reason. And then I left for a long time and my parents got it for me, I think last year uh, for Christmas or something. And uh, I've tuned in once and like, even him, like he's tame by his standards. Uh, But like, so even he realizes that like in 2018, you can't be Howard Stern anymore. Wow. Which that's, that's such a cool thing too. When like sort of edgy guys kind of get like a little bit older too, Mm. you know, like I remember reading this interview with Trent Reznor or something and he was like, Mm. 
he was like, you know, I, I realize that I make very different, you know, music now than I did and can't really do the nine inch nails thing anymore. I just feel like, you know, I'm doing pretty okay these days and I, uh, don't have as much to kind of, to draw on, you know, that particular well just kind of runs dry. Hopefully, yeah. you know, after you're like 35 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, that's all part of growth and, and, you know, both you as an individual and uh, society, you know, you, you grows and, and it deems what's acceptable uh, to, to the public eye mm-hmm. or ear in this case. It's like the whole James Gunn situation, um, you know, with, with everything that happened with him earlier this year and, and him getting fired from, from guardians, of the galaxy three. And, you know, there's, I, I, and I get Disney's standpoint on it and whatnot. And, and I can understand when people might be upset about what he said, but to me and everything that I know about him, which is very little admittedly, but it, it seems like he showed growth over the last 10 to 15 years. So while, unforgivable uh you know especially in today's with today's eyes i mean no one was batting an eye to to the things he was tweeting about 10 years ago no one cared then and there's a couple Um, of things going on there right because like the i don't think that the the acceptability of something changes necessarily but i think for one thing that shows this sort of like when you're working for the mouse like they're not they're not <laughs> concerned about whether or not something you did was hurtful to anyone in particular. They're just concerned about like mm. hmm, liability of this person divided by like yes. interest of this person over like, you know, like they're just doing the math, uh, the cold hard math of mm. it. So like whether or not something is OK and whether or not something hurts people like it, it changes. I, I don't know if we're necessarily on an upward trend there, but but definitely once you start talking about who's going to be employable and whatever, then, then it's, it's not even really a question of ethics at all at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, yeah. And, and I guess my point was like, it's just like, it sh- like to me, he's a guy who showed growth and I think, you know, I, again, it's, it's such a sticky situation. Cause I've, I've, I've talked to people who like a hundred percent agree that um, like what happened with him was, it was in the right. And, and it's, and it's hard to defend that, that it wasn't like, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's such a sticky, I'm glad I'm not Disney. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess the money would be nice, but. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, I definitely won't be. So that's, you know, it's like, <laughs> that thing like grant me the the patience to change i the things i can and something the other to things i can't definitely do not have to worry about um directing uh multi-million dollar uh film franchises not going to be one no 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 that's no, no. I, I mean, I, I, I'd be happy with like a little uh, $27,000 indie flick to, to kind of find the time yeah. to do, I guess, is, yeah. is the issue. Uh, and I had the money, but Film is yeah, fun. time. That's something that like podcasting is cool because podcasting is doable. And I get to have these yes. wonderful sort of darling little intimate conversations with people and and do all of the other, other things that I love about Backstory. But man, film is like a lot of fun though yeah so uh have you have you dabbled in film at all i did like stuff for fun uh with some friends of mine uh when i lived in a different city i knew some people who were just kind of into like short films and indie films there and 
I used to work at a marketing agency, so I used to like get to hang out on video shoots and just kind of help out. And um, I just, I don't know. It's such a, it's one of those things that like you legitimately truly cannot do it on your own, like yeah. by any stretch, like you just can't, no matter how much we want to like ascribe a certain film to a, a certain person, like it's such a team effort that it's, I don't know, it mm. results in kind of cool, interesting, creative dynamics. No, yeah, and, and it's, it's something that like, and and not just film. I think just video work in general, like yeah. when, and especially in 2018, when you know a film or just being a content creator spans so much um, in in the video scheme uh, of things. Like it's, it just spans so many different mediums these days, and I still don't think there's a way unless you're doing maybe I guess a vlog. Uh, aside from that, it's it's anything you do is some sort of team effort. And I mean, it's, it's the sole reason why I, I haven't done really anything in film because it's hard to, especially as an adult, uh, to get that group of uh, people together to, to do it when, when it's, you're literally doing it for nothing. Um, we did, uh, God, probably, I want to say 10, I think it was right. I think I was podcasting at the time. So it had to be less than 12 years ago, but in the, like, it was before 2010 or maybe around 2010 when we filmed this little uh, silly short uh, about you know, five hour, we called it five hour zombie. So it was a, a knockoff of five hour energy drink. Mm -hmm. And that was just that silly skit that ends up being, I think it clocks in under five minutes, probably that was like a one, one, two, three, four. That was like a five to seven person like crew to, to shoot. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was only two people on screen at, at like at any given time. Yeah. I remember probably one of the most fun. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I had so much fun. This is bringing back memories now, just shooting <laughs> this really, really like really silly, just kind of comedy short that was like two or three minutes long. But, and, mm -hmm. and we shot it in one day. Like it was, it might've yeah. even just been like one evening, like kind of after work thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like five of us. And I think the most kind of important salient job that I had on that shoot, because I, I wasn't writing or directing, um, but I did, I did dump a can of pea soup on someone's face. <laughs> and it, it was so much fun because it was like, we really only have this space for one night. And after that, we would kind of get tired anyway. Uh, yeah. This guy does not have a change of clothes. I need to, I need to nail this. Like I need to really absolutely get this pea soup thing. Perfect. <laughs> and yeah, there's, there's something about like just that group of people, that amount of time, like, I, I don't know, like respect to everybody who makes that their job because like, it's actually such a bonkers amount of work. For what, yeah. for what kind of comes out at the end that like, I hope you're having fun. I hope you love it. Yeah. And that's something that like, I, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. Um, and something that I really love about him and I have kind of always loved, uh, is that he's, he's a guy who like, if you, if you ever notice any of his movies going back to, I, I'm almost positive clerks, mm -hmm. like it never says a Kevin Smith film. He does not include that. Mm -hmm 
in his in his credits. I mean, we'll say directed by Kevin Smith, but he's a firm believer in, in what you mentioned. It's is that a film takes an entire team, an entire crew to put together. It's not just a Kevin Smith film. It's a you know a film of you know every everybody on that film from the the, the catering to yeah. the actors, the directors, and, and the sound guys. They're all filmmakers. They're all there helping make the movie happen. So, um, and then just you know, especially in his. In, I don't know what phase of his career you want to call it that he's in now. Uh, but, you know, very specifically his like TV directing that he, that he shares a lot of, he just seems to have a lot of fun. And, and he, and like he, he, to him, that's like his job on a TV set because he's there for a week to direct. And then, and then it's, you know, hands it off to other people. So like, he just brings a whole different energy for the crew and the cast to like smile and laugh and, and whatnot. So that's what I, if I ever get the opportunity to do a bigger video project, uh, like, like that's what I hope I can uh, learn and, and bring for, to it is just like, you know, it, it's not all about me and, and just bring fun to it. Yeah. Yeah. Continuing to enjoy the process. I think like mm -hmm. probably no matter what you're doing, um, I don't know, it's really easy to lose sight of that, especially when you, you start doing a quote unquote creative things as your like job it's really easy mm. to think like, okay, now I have to take it. Now I have to take it seriously, which means less fun. But um, yeah. I think that makes it a lot harder to make something that's going to resonate with people. Yeah. It's uh, I, I mean, and that's, it's been a roller coaster. I think even podcasting, which is, is the, the, as you know, uh, probably the simplest form of content creation, mm -hmm. Um, I guess depending on the type of podcast that you're doing. Uh, but for the most part, what, you know, this show, everything is awesome. It does not require a lot of brain power uh, and does not require, uh, I mean, it does require a lot of time to, to edit because I do like to listen to the whole thing just to make sure there's no audio drift, especially in a remote interview like this. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and that's the killer is, is like, that's, I love this part, sitting down and, and talking and, and having interesting conversations. Uh, it's, it's all the other parts that come with it, it, putting it together, getting it out there to the world, uh, marketing it and, 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 and tweeting about it and, and all that stuff is like not the fun part. Uh, and, and it's where, you know, and I'm not sure how it is on your end, but where I wish I kind of did have a, some sort of crew to help with that because, um, most podcasters uh, are usually uh, a one-person uh, crew. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think even if you are, I, I th like, even if you're, you know, two, two or three people, the same people who get together every week, that kind of gives you a leg up. Because I don't know. Presumably, they're like sharing, you know, sharing editing duties and sharing the load, and and you don't have to do scheduling. Like scheduling is such a big thing. I mm -hmm. I do a ton of research for my show just because of the nature of the guests that I have on. Um, and that's, I, I can't, I don't know if I can necessarily say I enjoy it. Sometimes I really do enjoy it. Sometimes you find out it's just the wild stuff where I get to read really cool academic papers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I am very, very lucky to have a very good editor. Um, Alex Sisk, mm -hmm. just everybody get at me. If you need to hire an editor, <laughs> it's just like changed my life and helped me just kind of be able to keep doing the project, honestly, just with mm -hmm. other stuff. But, but yeah, yeah, like I'm with you. Like I'm, I do this because I like talking to people. Like I just mm -hmm. want the conversation everything else that has to happen around that is like, okay, that has to happen, I guess. 
Yeah. And it, and it's something that I've just literally as, as, uh, as, as of today, like started to like really kind of consider passing editing duties off to someone else. Uh, which means it's, it's, it's another cost that I really don't need, yeah. but like seriously considering it because it is like, I look at the backlog cause I'm, I'm behind because the end of the year for me is like a train wreck year personally, uh, <laughs> you know, just personal things, uh, with, with like anniversaries of, of, uh, people passing away and anniversaries of this and that birthdays for those people that are, that are no longer with us. So it's like the last two months of the year, uh, is usually like a bad headspace for me. Uh, so like, and I realize that I recognize it and that's like step one of figuring my life out. And, uh, I think step two is like, if really, it's maybe even if I just do it for the end of the year, like really considering bringing in help, uh, paid help to, to get this stuff out there on a more timely manner, uh, for sure. But uh, you, so you, you've mentioned, uh, you know, backstory a little bit and, and I do want to get to that. Uh, I want to get to a lot of things, hopefully, uh, in, in the next, uh, half hour, 45 minutes that we got left here. Uh, but I do want to, like, I want to start like kind of the origin point. Um, and, and I guess part of that is like, where, where are you from? <laughs> that, that is a really hard question because, oh my God. uh, because I'm a base brat. Uh, my dad's in the oh. military. So, uh, so that man means that, um, my, my parents are from Newfoundland. Uh, I, I live, I live in Canada. Um, my okay. parents are from Newfoundland, uh, but they, they left just before I was born. So I, I was born in CFB Gage town and then we lived in Petawawa for a while. And then we lived in a couple of other places. I lived out East for a while. This is all very meaningful if you're an Eastern Canadian. Um, and, uh, and I actually just moved a couple of months ago, uh, to Victoria, Vancouver Island, BC. So, uh, that's been like a pretty huge life change. So yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, I love Canada. Uh, and, and I, and, and I guess like I knew probably for some reason, like either in your Twitter profile or something, but you can definitely hear like, the in your, in your I don't want to say accent because it, it's not really a Canadian accent, but like they're like in in when in words like process or, or process as you said, uh, which I love. Like I like that might be my favorite word to hear a Canadian say. Like every <laughs> single Canadian uh says it like in that i guess the proper way like not in the the hick philly way. Uh and ever like I don't know what it is, but the 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 process I just like I've heard um, like uh, Malcolm Ingram, who's like a document uh, documentarian uh, from Canada. Uh, he he, like I've heard him talk on several podcasts, and and he says it that way. And I just hearing you say like reminded me that you were from Canada. Okay. Uh, and and I, I just Canada is one of my favorite like places I've ever traveled to for both like uh, for just you know fun and for work. Um, where, such a where about fun have time. you been? Uh, not, not many places. Um, I've been to, uh, to Niagara Falls area for both work and, um, and, and pleasure Toronto, mainly the Toronto area. I'm trying to think if I've gone any, what, any further West, um, man, I've spent a bunch of time in Toronto. I always enjoy it. That might be because I have very sort of sweet, wonderful people in Toronto, mm -hmm. but but it does usually end up being a pretty good time. Yeah, it's it, and it's a like super, and this is like almost. I don't think I've ever been in a town in um, 
in Canada that doesn't look like super fancy and super clean. Like everything <laughs> is like, I, there is not one experience of me walking through like, like the, the bad parts of Philly or, or New York city, like when in, in any of the towns that I visited and like, I, don't, I did a lot of East coast. I don't think I went much. I don't think I went anywhere like central or West Canada. I think it was all East. Like what Halifax is probably the farthest East I went. Oh yeah. Okay. My, my dad lives in Halifax right now. So my sister, my brother too, actually right now. And, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite places. Like Halifax is wonderful. I just want to take everybody to Halifax. Isn't it just the, the prettiest, <laughs> just friendliest, sweetest place? I mean, I don't know that there's any place in Canada that's unfriendly. And I know that's like a big stereotype <laughs> that you guys, that, like, like you and, and every other Canadian are, are probably tired of hearing, but it's, I don't know. Like, I can't, I don't know if it's, is that true? Like, do you find that to be true? Is like, is it a true stereotype as a Canadian that like, you're all just super friendly? Here, well, there's two things on that. One, I think it's like it's all relative, right? Like I one yeah. of one of the things I love about Halifax and about Victoria is that they're so much friendlier than anywhere in Ontario. Like anyone mm -hmm. outside of Toronto, for example, will be like, Oh, Toronto, like they're so mean and stuck up and like <laughs> you know. Um, but the other thing is that uh I think Americans have trouble identifying when Canadians are being mean. Um, because we just, we do it a little bit differently and it's like very, it's a little more passive. We're we're more passive aggressive kind of culture, okay. I think probably, yeah. um, you know, yeah. at least like kind of white, uh, settler middle-class, uh, Canadian culture. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I think is actually going on. I don't know. I don't know if there is more goodness in our hearts or if we just kind of, um, ha have, have learned to wield a certain kind of passive aggression. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite things, and I'll, I swear I'll try to make this the last Kevin Smith reference, uh, is on his on his uh, main podcast, Smodcast, uh, is him and his co-host, Scott Mosier, uh, they'll read the ScanBC Twitter account and like just find the, the funniest uh, like crimes going on in, I guess, British uh, Columbia. Uh, and it's like... I'm Googling this right now because I just... Yes, please carry on. This is extremely intriguing to me. I, and I've like I've checked it out a few times and I guess you have to really, I mean, be like a film director that has all the time in the world to like look at it. Um, because like every time I've glanced at it, it's just like, oh, this seems like normal stuff. But there are... like, And they make a big bit out of the things that they bring up. It's, it is at least listening to them talk about that Twitter feed is one of the most fascinating things. And maybe now that I'm talking about it, I just need to spend some more than five minutes on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the crimes that they highlight at least uh, that come off that scan BC are just like, they are to me the most typical Canadian things. It's like people being get, getting in trouble for like being too nice almost. Uh, so I, I, I definitely, I agree that probably like you need to go through many, many days of, of it in order to find crimes that aren't just sort of, you know, typical yeah. um, criminal activity. However, I did happen to just look at this page right now and see from October 29th, um, RCMP have responded to the area of Goldstream and Whale for reports of a male walking around with a handgun. Uh, the suspect was located and found to be in possession of a power drill. 
<laughs> so I, th I think there's kind of three really key points there. One, the fact that just someone having a gun is considered utterly terrifying in mm -hmm. this country. And, uh, and two, uh, that it turned out to not, to not be a gun. Yeah. And three, that, uh, that the people who were talking about this didn't know the difference. So there's, there's a lot there to really enjoy, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. And it is like, yeah, because at first glance, like it, just listening to you say that, like it is kind of worrisome to hear, uh, even as an American, that like someone's walking around with a gun because, and maybe it's just because I don't come from like a huge gun family. Now mm -hmm. my, my, uh, my fiance and her family are, they're like a big gun family. So like guns have been in my life for the last, you know, seven, six to seven years now. Uh, but like before that, like I had never even touched a gun uh or fired a gun or anything like that unless it was a toy gun mm -hmm. and uh and so like for me like the idea of uh and i think that's also a pennsylvania thing because our our it's i mean you can open carry but like in the northern states at least you'd probably be looked uh and, and frowned upon and the police would be called on you if you just open carry versus like somewhere like texas or i mean that's going to be who i point out because it just seems to be stereotypical texas but like you can you can open carry in, in a hoster on your hip down there and like that's just a tuesday mm. yeah i definitely i mean we we don't have to talk about this too much because it does get kind of sad at a certain point but when I see signs, because I, I travel to the States a lot just for work, mm -hmm. and when I see signs that are like, you can't have a gun in this building, and there's like a sign that says no gun, or it'll, or it'll be like a bank or something, it'll say, you can't have an openly born firearm in, in this gun or no concealed firearm in, in this building. That throws me off so much, because it just seems like, oh, well, I, I agree with you, sign, but yeah, that's a strange. Yeah, thing. It, yeah, it's. I mean, and obviously we have our own, you know, uh, cross country debate about what's going on with guns, and uh, we will move on from that because this podcast should not ever be political. Because I know nothing; I'm ignorant. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so Canada, which uh, is where you've so you, so you've lived there and and have grown up there your entire life in, in the the Great White North. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, and you know, so I, so now I don't know if what you do, uh, for your day job is like actually what we, what, what you would call you do. I mean, obviously it's what you do for a living, but, uh, what we're, what you're here for, uh, is I guess a couple of things, podcaster, game designer, um, content creator. Uh, so how, when it comes to those things, uh, what, like, where's your origin point there? Like what? Let's start with, I feel like at least role-playing games or, or, or games in general um, is probably like the first thing since podcasting is still kind of so new. Uh, but so, so where's your origin point when it comes to um, the game landscape and wanting to be a game designer? And, and, and then how does that lead to podcasting? Um, I mean, you think about it, like in, in terms of playing role-playing games, to me, I... I always got really excited by the idea of D and D like just mm -hmm. for some reason was able to absorb that cultural concept and, um, and recreate it in, in play when I was a kid a long time before I ever picked up a book or learned how to play um, Dungeons and Dragons, the actual game. And, uh, and then in high school, I, I actually like, 
played D and D. You know, it was three point five back then. So did that with some friends of mine and had really I have very very fond memories like I think a lot of people do. Um, but they're more they were more like oh I had fun with the people but you know the game was weirdly unsatisfying and then tried to play a little bit more in in university play some fourth edition and just never could get what I wanted out of the experience. You know, it never really matched up to what I found appealing about D&D. And I, I love telling this story. Uh, um, my, my friend Patrick, he and I went out for a beer. Um, what must be like close to 10 years ago now? No, that's, a, I'm, I don't accept that that could be true. Um, <laughs> but a couple of years ago now. And, uh, and I said, Patrick, you know, I, I knew he was into RPGs and I said, yeah, I've played D and D, you know, for you know a couple of times over a couple of years, and I thought that I liked RPGs, but you know, I've I've given it a bunch now, and I uh, I don't actually like it. Yeah, it turns out I don't actually like RPGs. I'm surprised, but there it is. And he was like, "So, Alex, have you ever played anything besides D and D?" And and he was the sort of the first person to introduce me to. Um, at the time, I mean, he talked about Burning Wheel and my mind exploded. Mm -hmm. Uh, I talked about Dread and about Fiasco and about, um, Apocalypse World, My Life with Master, all all of these other games that, um, that we then went on to play over the next couple of months, a couple of years, actually, we had a, a really good gaming group for a while. So that's how I really got into, um, into the role playing games that I could actually get excited about and wanted to to run and um yeah and so it kind of just was a big joyful part of my life for a while i i got into um podcasting because another friend of mine wanted to start a podcast and i was on a discussion show called uh the tabletop superhighway for a while and uh and we did that for a few years and at some point actually i, I don't know if it was during or after that, that, um, I was also encouraged by friends to start making games. So it's, I'm actually realizing that every single time along my, my path, it's always been me not really sure that I can do some, do something and other people being very kind and encouraging. And then me ending Mm -hmm. up kind of doing it. Cause even, uh, even Starcrossed, which I've been so happy with how it's turned out and how it's been received and, um, to, to help it along its way. That was a game that um, I, uh, I was working with Steve and Jason at Bully Pulpit Games, not in a design capacity at all, just doing, mm-hmm. doing marketing and admin and, and uh, some other work for them. And we had had a couple of meetings where we talked about uh, publishing a game that wasn't Jason's, right? Jason Morningstar is the chief designer there, and almost all of the games that they've published uh, have been his. And they said, you know, it's been a while since we published The Warren, which was by Marshall Miller. I said, you know, it would be really good to, to, to publish something else again, but it would have to be just the right fit. And it would have to be, you know, with someone who we really trusted and could really get along with and have to be a concept we're really excited about. And like, we honestly had this conversation multiple times before I, I don't know, a light went off. And I said, oh, guys, yeah, uh, I've been working on this game. Do you want to look at it? Are you interested in it at all? Because I had been working on Starcrossed for uh, a while at that point. Mm-hmm. 
maybe a year. I have no idea. I'm so bad with time. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I showed it to them and they got really they were interested in it and got excited and we signed a contract very shortly afterwards afterward um actually and uh that was like two years ago maybe less than that oh my god like a year ago man that's bonkers <laughs> yeah well I, and before um we i, I touch on starcross because I, I do want to talk about that uh, as well uh, i do like Game design, and so for me, like my my uh, story with role playing games is, uh, I guess, kind of similar, but but not like for the longest time. All I knew about was D and D, and and back when I was in high school, uh, like it was there was enough people, and like I guess a cool teacher uh, that. Um, I, or, and I guess really back then, uh, he was not a cool teacher because most, <laughs> most kids, no one likes, we all got beat up for, for even saying D and D. Uh, but, um, we had like a group, like an after school group that got together to play and something like it was, it only met once it went horrible. Like someone wasn't taking it seriously enough. So we also were not doing it. Uh, and when I say serious enough, I mean like, no, like they just weren't role playing. Like they just weren't. And, and I guess none of us really, you know, at that time we were probably all like maybe 16 to 17 years old. So like, at least for me, like I, none of us really had experience, uh, with D and D or role playing games. And it wasn't until, uh, about three years ago when I first, uh, started everything is awesome. And, uh, so I was, I was, uh, God, I was 31, uh, when I started listening to, you know, what Jeff, uh, Jeff Stormer show party one, uh, and like, like that, his show like jump started me into the tabletop role playing community, uh, big time because I, I learned about all these new like role playing games. And I kind of knew about, like, I knew that D and D as a podcast was a thing, but I didn't know that there was stuff beyond D and D literally until about three years ago. Mm. Uh, and, and, and still like, I don't play very often. I'm more of like a consumer with podcasts and then I'll play like, yeah, I think I play mostly on podcasts, if I'm being honest. Like you, I play like two or three times on Jeff's show and on and, and then just recently on my own show, we've we've played we've played maybe like two other games before, but recently we played, you know, uh, as far as when people are listening to this, last week on episode 150, we played Starcross. Um and uh and we'll get to that in a second. But but also like me getting into the role playing community is like for the like the better part of 2018. I've, I, I don't know, I assume for all people that call themselves game designers, when they're sitting around wanting to design a game, I'm, I'm assuming, like, I now realize that it can't be easy because for the better part of a year, I've been trying to develop my own thing and like, and I've been beating my head against the wall, like not being able to figure it out. And then finally found like, all right, I'll just do this instead. And like a light bulb went off and I'm in the process of writing everything, but is that what game design, like for you at least, is that what game design is like uh, the most difficult thing in the world until a, a light bulb goes off? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think, I think it's more like a bunch of light bulbs. And then also okay. in between all of the light bulbs, there's just like absolutely like incredibly difficult like just rolling a stone up a hill kind of things like mm -hmm. there was a lot mm -hmm. of things that I had to bash my head against the wall and had to ignore for weeks at a time and had to have um 
I mean, have, have Steve and Jason do a lot of kind of editing with me and pushing me and asking me questions um, that helped me refine the text, especially towards the very end, right? Like I think mm-hmm. when you're early in a, um, a design project, it's all ideas, it's all concepts. And so you can just throw something down on the table, see if it plays. If it doesn't, something else is kind of right in line, right behind it. And you can just kind of keep stuff going until you you have a concept that's like, oh yeah, this this mechanic, this idea, this dynamic, this rhythm, it it works, it plays. I see it, see it happening. I can kind of catch it. Um, but then the more that time goes on, it's been my experience that you make smaller and smaller changes as time goes on. And yet somehow the tinier changes just become like so much harder and like so much more grating to, to get right. Um, because you go from changing, you know, taking out pages of text to, you know, trying to figure out, should it be this word or that word? Should it say and or, or, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. We'll have to play it. We'll have to play the whole game with this, with as and, and then we'll have to play it as or, and then see what happens. And and then, you know, make some really specific kind of judgments about which one was preferable and why. So it's, sometimes it's the light bulb and sometimes it's just the, yeah. Um, is, uh, <laughs> now by the time you were like, done and, and maybe you're I, I guess you're technically maybe not even done with Starcrossed yet but by the time you were done like the the heavy stuff with Starcrossed and, and and getting it to the point where it was funded and getting it to the point where the kickstarter was done ha- had you been sick of it yet because um, because you spent so much time with it and especially like playing it i'm sure hundreds of times well that's one nice thing i can tell you i've gotten sick of the text like i definitely never want to read that book again but I am I'm very, very lucky that I'm not sick of actually playing it yet. And I think part of that okay. is that um, I, I I don't have to like run it for other people. You know, it's not like a GM thing where I'm always the one GMing yes. because it's a two player game. And so every time you play, mm. yes, you're engaging with the rules, but you're also like just very closely engaging with another human being. And you learn so mm-hmm. much about a person and you get to see such a wonderful, sweet, honest kind of side of someone when you play Starcrossed. And it's, it's like you were in, and I were talking about earlier, like this conversation, these conversations are why we do this kind of thing. And, and I think a lot of gaming for me is about connecting to people and I can still connect with people when I play Starcross. So for me, that, that still feels very special. And, and, and this type of game um, I've learned, uh, and, and obviously from basically just listening to them, because that's what I do most of versus actually playing them, uh, is like the conversational games. And maybe it's because I'm a big old, I, like I love Kevin Smith movies that are all dialogue. I love sitting around talking for hours at a time on a podcast. Um, so maybe that, that has something to do with it, but they seem to have like, even at, like they're the ones that attract me as like, Oh, let me like check that as a game that I want to play because they seem to be, even though like, I think I'm a, a real bad, like uh, role player and improv person. Uh, they are the ones that intrigue me the most because they just, uh, dice rolling is fun and I do love those type of games and, and I do love that style, but 
especially like when it comes to to two player games, it seems like the, the what makes the most sense is like having something that maybe prompts you to to talk, but just acting for an hour or however long the game takes. Um, and that's what like I mean every game, and I hope that. And unfortunately, uh, because I'm really bad at uh, preparing, uh, unlike uh, when we talk about your podcast, we'll, we'll, I'll make the comparison more there. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't do much research and don't do much preparation for my podcast. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't able to get to the, the our episode 150 ahead of time so that you could listen to it to, so we could actually have a conversation about it. But um the, the, I hope that our playthrough, uh, and it's not any, you know, I'm not spoiling anything now because this is episode 151. Uh, ben from, from, uh, Pot of Love was, uh, the guest for episode 150. And then somehow we got on some tangent about Starcross and they're like, man, what if it was, and it was, I had, I must have just seen the Venom movie. Oh and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what if we do Venom and Eddie Brock? And I'll tell you what, on saying it and then actually sitting down to do it are two completely different concepts. Wow. Like, cause I, and, and I didn't really like, I didn't know the full rules, even though I've listened to uh, Starcrossed, like, at least uh, like five times, I guess I've heard it on various shows uh, up until sitting down and playing it with, with Ben. Um, but like, I, I don't know. Cause I mentioned it to you ahead of time uh, that we were going to do this. Uh, so I don't know if it clicked with you, the logistical nightmare of, of playing a character, like two characters who are literally always touching uh, and having to play that in a game where like that's a core mechanic of of the game is 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 describing a, a you know intentional and unintentional touching with with the characters mm-hmm. um and we worked around it we i think we found a, a good way to to work around it we, we kind of pre-discussed all that stuff uh which may have been recorded i, I forget but um we, we found a, i think a good way to to work around it and i hope that when everyone listened uh to it because i don't know the reaction yet that uh, I hope we did the game good because, because it was, again, going into it, I was like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then sitting down to do it, like all of a sudden it's, uh, I get nerves, not only about like doing the game right, but like actually sitting down to, to get into this weird, uh, Marvel Venom intimate headspace with, with, uh, another player. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it takes a lot of, it's, it, it takes a lot of, bravery i think to play almost any game i mean you're putting your ideas Mm -hmm. out there even if it's not about love and romance and intimacy you're you're putting yourself creatively out there and so just like Mm -hmm. you know doing karaoke or an open mic night or whatever like it it takes guts to to put yourself out there um and and be open to the reactions of other people like that um on top of that to to do actual play like i've i've done it and i will do it again um but uh, it's it it is really nerve-wracking for me even when i'm playing my own games Mm -hmm. you know where i'm like pretty (laughs) sure i know the rules relatively speaking i still find it very very nerve-wracking um maybe just because it's it's not something i'm used to performing and i have to be i'm doing something that's very familiar but in a way where i have to think about other people who are watching Mm -hmm. or aren't watching yet but they will be or yeah it's it's a different headspace 
and we were playing in the free play area of PAX Unplugged. I saw uh, the and, Oh my gosh. And so, so, and we thought it was a great idea to sit at the long tables that are shared by multiple groups. So like halfway through the play, I think Ben mentions, he's like, you know, those tables that are behind you where like, it's just a round table that only one group is sitting at. That would have been the smart place to sit because like all these people are around us hitting the table <laughs> and knocking and like, I've, I don't know what game these these other I don't know I, I'm saying kids because uh, everyone seems younger than me but the, these kids or, or these this other group of players that were to my left they were playing something uh, it was a board game that involved building something and they, they bumped into the table and their tower like their tower knocked down and like out of the corner of my eye saw I saw it so I like had this like this bad reaction like my heart like the same reaction that you have when you're playing tumbling towers we'll call it uh while you're playing you know i haven't played dread but i imagine like when you're playing dread or definitely when you're playing starcross because i know that experience now uh like all of a sudden i thought like the world oh, ended. Yeah. <laughs> because like the, their tower fell i was like oh my god our tower's next like and it was uh it was such and then like the, the people walking by saying are you guys djing uh, uh jenga right now <laughs> <laughs> we're like no <laughs> having to take a break to like explain what we were doing and then get back in the head so it was a really interesting concept that um i guess it kind of started with like the idea of let's do it live uh and we were going to, i was trying to get a live show going uh like the weekend before pax uh and like getting a giant tumbling tower of blocks to do it on like in front of a bunch of people oh that would be so fun and then it birthed into to what it was, which I think was ultimately like, it, for me, I think that was the best way to do it because I'm I'm used to performing live as far as a podcast is, is concerned because I, I I take this show live a lot, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I've once in episode one hundred I believe of everything is awesome was uh, mission accomplished Jeff's game. Right. And uh, I packed that. That was had the benefit of being uh, not just me and one other person. And I packed it with a bunch of like local Philly improv uh, comedians. So like, oh, I, so yeah, I stacked it so that people would have a good time. Um, so to do Starcross or any two player game, I think I don't know how Jeff does it when he does his show live, but to do any two player game, especially I think Starcross or a game like Starcross where it's just so intimate, um, to do that in front of like a live crowd that's there to see you do that specific thing, I don't know that I would be able to handle that like emotionally or <laughs> or like physically. Like, I think I would have been in the corner crying. It's, um, I, I played it on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, for, uh, for the one shot, like Twitch, like I played with mm-hmm. James D'Amato and we had a ton of fun and we had people in the stream just going nuts about that tower. And it was so satisfying to see their reactions, mm-hmm. you know, to have everyone else kind of caught up in, in the anxiety of the tower with you, um, yeah. to, yeah, to, to do it like live, live in front of an audience, especially with like a big old tower, it would be incredibly nerve wracking. And also I extremely want to do it like right now, please. It yeah. So yeah. Fun. Uh, it's, it, it, I, I, this year for PAX unplugged. So, so I don't, were you at, I know you weren't at PAX this year. Were you at PAX last year? I was. Yeah. 
So I don't know what your experience at PAX last year was for me. And this, and this could be just me alone. I didn't have the greatest time at 2017 PAX. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I thought there was, uh, there's just things that they, they should, I think should have and could have done better. And in good news is in 2018, they did. Um, I had such a blast at this year's PAX. Like, I don't know if it, if it was because it felt like a 180 that, that it was a 10 out of 10 con for me. Um, but I very specifically this year said, I'm not going to get, because I'm, I'm really kind of new in the whole gaming community as far as like, I don't even want to say as a personality because I, I'm not really, but I, I, I 28 or 2019, I kind of am trying to get myself into like actual plays and I have some ideas that I want to try to start up, um, that, I, that I already started like knowing that 2019 packs, like I have like an actual panel that I want to do, but like really the main thing I want to do is probably star live, uh, on, uh, at PAX. uh, so that is my 2019, like at least PAX you goal is to, is to play star live, uh, or to facilitate it happening at least at the very least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can, now that I've gotten it out of my system and, and, Cause it is, it is such a, like, I don't, what, when you started, when you started Starcross, I know some of the history was, was kind of like a dread hack at first, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, it started with just, I, I had played dread. It was one of the first story games that I, I played. Uh, and I just had so much fun. I completely was in love with it. And I thought, I'm so excited for when someone makes the play set that is just people are into each other, right? Because what's mm-hmm. more horrifying than that? Yeah. Um, and then it it was like literally years later that I was like, oh, I guess nobody's going to make that. Maybe I can. Um, but then I couldn't really figure out a way to do that. So the project kind of just morphed wildly out of control and and uh, ended up being its own game. Yeah. So so I guess you always had the the, the tumbling tower as the yeah. the mechanic. Yeah, that's, that's the uh, one thing that, has has always been consistent yeah and that's especially like i got it before playing it but you if you've never played starcross um you you may get it but you don't i don't think you actually get it until you play because like i understood like like the like how the tension was there because i played that game without a a role-playing experience i played tumbling towers just to tumble the tower before Mm -hmm. but but to play it in such a way where like you're actually maybe you, maybe the goal is to, to keep the tower standing as long as possible or whatever your your personal agenda is in, in the story you're telling. Um, it's, it's every time your, your hand is anywhere near that tower is just it's such a and I think we said it on the on the show and on episode 150. It's such a, a great mechanic. Like I don't genius. It was like the game feels like pure genius and I, I'm so happy that you created it. Thank you. I'm, I'm really glad that it's brought you a lot of joy. Um, it's, uh, it, you talk about sort of caring about the tower or like being invested or having this kind of emotional connection to it. And I've experienced that as well. And I've seen it, like I've seen how strong it is for people. And it, it comes from just, that's what happens when, when there is a narrative attached to almost anything we will care about almost anything and it will become a part of us if we can attach a narrative to it like right now i'm i'm taking a couple of courses at um university of victoria 
and uh, just got through exams, feel pretty good about that. And so I had lots and lots of study sessions. And my, honestly, the exam that I was most confident about, I did this, this sort of study trick that I learned from a, a gal in my class that um, you, you take like a set of information that you have to memorize, like say a, a sequence of actions or something, and you just, you make a story about it. And so we would just come up with these like stupid nonsense narratives, you know, uh, that would be about a frog does this and an apple does that and whatever. Once upon a time, like we would just make up a story that had, you know, these four things happen in it. And I swear to God, when it came time to sit down to the exam, it'd be like, okay, this, these are just, you know, the five, uh, you know, traits involved in, uh, you know, behavioral assessment or whatever, but I would think about this silly story and like it would just come so naturally compared to things that I just tried to memorize as pieces of information. So there, there really is something about narrative that helps us get and forces us to get incredibly emotionally invested in things. For sure. And that, I mean, I am, especially now, like in my mid thirties, like I've gotten way more emotional. I don't know if it's because I'm older. I don't know if it's because I'm a dad now. I don't, I don't know what it is, but that, like, I mean, I, I'm the guy who cried at the Muppet story. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, when Kermit's giving his speech at the end of the, the, the rebooted, or I don't know if it was a reboot, but the, the newer Muppet movie from, I don't know, early 2012 ish. Yeah. Oh, my fiance was, oh that got yeah. some tears out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm not the only one. Thank <laughs> God. I, I, we went to go see it in the theater. My fiance was pregnant with my first, uh, or with our first child at the time. Um, and I, like, she looked at me like, I'm the pregnant one and you're <laughs> crying during a Muppet movie. And I'm like, Kermit had a really good speech. <laughs> and, and like it's and, and I don't know what it is I think it's I think it's partially being a parent now I think it's and I think definitely has to do with maybe being a more mature adult than I was 10 years ago um but yeah I, like just I, I, stories I I feel the power of them way more now uh, even in like dopey commercials sometimes <laughs> I'll see the power of the narrative that they're telling there and and tear up and whatnot uh, and, 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 and I get like, I, I, I want to touch on two more things before I let you go here. Um, and one of them, is, and it's, it looks like it's, you know, the narrative storytelling seems to be, uh, and I'm just guessing here, something that you're, that, that either is either your strong suit or something that you really like designing. Cause that's, you're in the midst of designing a, a another story narrative game, correct? Yeah, that's right. For the queen. Oh my gosh. I I have been having a very, very good time with that game as well. And that is a game that is in many ways very, very different from Starcrest. Um the it, it it's a lot easier to jump in and out of. It's much easier to learn, easier to set up. It doesn't have that same one on one kind of intensity. And mm -hmm. instead it's I, like, I think it capitalizes on the feeling of five people, you know, three to five people sitting around. I mean, you can play with two people. It's a good time. But it there's a feeling of everyone kind of sitting in a circle, sharing a story together that feels very different from um, from the kind of, like, role-play-heavy story of Starcrossed. And mm. the way it emerged was totally different. It was a game I literally just, like, woke up one morning before my alarm and 
and wrote and have barely changed since. Um, oh, wow. And it's, uh, but, but like Starcrossed, it's, um, it's just, I don't know, it's just a game about relationships and feelings and stuff that's too, too darn real from, you know, from my life. And <laughs> it's, it's about how you feel about uh, a queen. Um, mm. It's about a journey that, that you and the other characters are on with this queen and you just absolutely hit the ground running. You don't know anything when you start about who this queen is, who you are, what your relationship is, and it's all world building. So you start and you pull a question from a shuffled up deck of questions and you answer it. And then you go on to the next person and they answer one and the next person and the next person. And you just keep answering questions. And what that does is catch what I, what I think I actually really, really love about, about playing kind of these kinds of games, which is not necessarily a perfectly well-crafted arc, um, because I think we actually very, like, extraordinarily rarely have those, um, but rather, like, moments and relationships and characters. That's what you end up with at the end of a game of For the Queen is is just like, oh, there was this perfect moment when this happened or this was revealed or, you know, this one little sort of detail came out that suddenly made five other details make sense. And, ah, oh, I'm just, I'm so in love with the magic of that. And the fact that you don't have to put a narrative arc onto the game hardly at all. Because mm -hmm. you give people an opportunity to answer details, they will fill in those gaps. Like, like I said, narrative is powerful. People want to mm -hmm. make a story. They want to connect. They want to make patterns out of events. And you pretty much just have to give them the barest tools to do that. And it's going to be what they naturally want to do. I, uh, yeah, when I, and I, I guess I saw, I think you tweeted out the, I guess the box art for it the other day and, yeah. and that, 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 that got me down the rabbit hole of looking at the game and, and pulling it up just a little bit more specifically today. Uh, and I, I'm pretty excited about it. Cause again, it's, it's, and I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, it's cause I'm a dialogue guy and I, I like a, a good story, but these games that use, uh, whatever their mechanics are to, to basically prompt you to tell the story. Um, I guess they're like, they're, they're just good, not like no setup games. Those ones have been like, they've intrigued me the most lately. And I don't know why. Uh, and like, but they're the ones that like, I'm like, Oh, I got to put that on my playlist. I got to go get the game as soon as it comes out and, 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 uh, and, and sit down and play it as soon as I can. Like, and I can't tell you how much like PAX Unplugged did for me to like, say i need like why haven't we had a game night in like over a year with like my group of friends uh and like and just bring all these games and like let's play let's just before we get into a heavy campaign let's just have like some fun one shots or some emotional one shots and and just like let's get it all out and then like get back in gaming on a regular basis because it's i don't know it's it's something that i miss and games like starcross and I assume games like for the queen, uh, when I, when I get a chance to sit, sit down to play it, uh, they are, uh, they're going to the, speak to me and, and make me want to play more. Well, thank you. That's very kind. And I, I think if you're enjoying Starcrossed, I think you will also definitely enjoy for the queen. Um, I think you will. I don't know. 
I'm, I'm curious to see if people see some interesting kind of thread between them or not. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I'll be able to tell the same Venom Eddie Brock love story uh, for, for in for the Queen, but you know, uh, I, I'm sure it'll be a, I'm sure it'll be a close second narrative that I'll like a story that I'll like. Same universe, maybe. I'll, I'll be curious about that. But, you know, that's one thing is that I I was actually surprised for some reason the first time that I heard Starcrossed used to tell fan fiction. Um, it was a very, very good Obi-Wan Anakin story. And uh, yeah, yeah, spicy. Um, but you know what? I haven't heard any for the Queen fan fiction stories yet. So still waiting on that. Mm. I'm sure the internet will provide if it's good for one thing, yes. right? <laughs> yes, yes, of course. I, and I, it's because it, to me, like, and and I think it's because, like, I also unfortunately spent some time in like the fandom world uh, when it comes to like Once mm -hmm. Upon a Time because I was producing a show for that, a podcast for, for that show. Uh, and like to me, it almost makes the most sense that Starcross would be used exclusively for <laughs> fan fiction, almost uh, because I mean, I can't. Im I, I there's. In fact, if anyone that still ever listened to the the Once Upon a Time show that I, I produced, like if you want to tell your Swan Queen story, use Starcross to do it because it, you'll you'll have a good story out of it. I assure you. <laughs> um, still waiting on just a good old fashioned uh, Spock and Kirk too. You know, like, <laughs> just hit me, hit me, Spurk. I know, I know you you folks are out there. God, I mean, it's not me because I I'm not, I know very little about Star Trek, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, but you know what? That didn't stop because it turns out when when Ben and I sat down like to do the the Venom story, we were both like, "So what's like? Let's talk about like the backstory here and the canon of Venom." I'm like, "Well, I think we're gonna have to create our own because really, like, I don't really know like this. I like comic books, but." I'll be damned if I ever read a, rent a Venom one. So like we, we used like parts of the comics uh, canon that I knew parts of the movie canon. Uh, and then I said, we're just going to create our own canon here. And if uh, any Marvel people get upset with me, sorry, it's, it's uh, it is what it is at this point. Um, yeah. But it was, it was, it is a lot of fun. And I can see like, I've really enjoyed like the, the unique stories that Starcross has told throughout, I think pretty much every other actual play that's been done uh, on a podcast. Uh, I think they were all like original characters versus uh, fan fiction, like, like we're doing here. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, again, I can't speak enough uh, good words about Starcrossed and especially after playing, like I loved the idea of it, but, and I, and I think that, I think you need to actually play it to really understand how powerful it is. Uh, because I didn't realize how, like how connected I would be to, uh, that, that, uh, alien symbiote love story until I played it. Like it, it, it started off of being honest, it started off as like a gimmick, like, Oh, this is gonna be a fun gimmick, but it turned into like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe this is happening. And it's all, it's all because of that mechanic. I think of, of the, um, the, or at least the the mechanic uh, lending the tension to 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 the narrative. Mm -hmm. Well, uh. again, like I just I'm so happy when I know that people are having a good time with it, and 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 like I said, like the further along you get in a design, and this thing's not still not completely out the door, right? We're still, mm. um, it's it's literally on a on a slow boat from China right now. Okay. And, uh, you know, still needs to get out to distributors and stuff. So it, it'll be, it'll be publicly available in January. 
Nice. Um, and and so what what I mean is just that it's so encouraging to hear from people who are having a good time with the game, who have enjoyed reading it or playing with it or listening to actual plays or like anything, like what any kind of just just positive stuff that I've heard from people. It is genuinely very very meaningful to me and uh, is very encouraging. <laughs> for for getting this thing out the door and and moving on to the next thing too. Well, like I said, hopefully uh, the the dopey venom Eddie Brock love story uh, does the game justice, and and I hope you enjoy it when when uh, when you get to, a chance to listen to it. Uh, and I certainly. I can't wait to play maybe like even a more unique story with it uh, myself, but certainly one of my next highlights will be trying to, to put together a live version of that, of that actual play, because I think that's, um, I think it's a game that, that especially if you use like a giant tumbling tower, I think it's a game that would work really well with a crowd. Uh, oh, of people. for sure. Yeah. You yeah. let me know if that's happening. Cause I, I'm very, would be very excited about that. Oh, it's it's. I'm gonna try to make it. Hopefully, uh, if if uh, you have plans to come out to PAX 2019, and and because that's what I would, that's where I would like to do it, or at least around then. I think it yeah. makes the most sense to do it then. Um, but before I let you go, I, I know we're right about at our hour. I do want to actually talk a little bit more about backstory. Uh, we touched on you podcasting and 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 kind of how you got into it. Um, but for those listening that may not know what backstory is, can you uh, tell us a little bit about backstory? Yeah, Backstory is an interview show um, where I sit down with game designers, but also community organizers, scholars in the field of role-playing studies, um, anyone who's doing interesting work in role-playing games. And we just talk about their work, um, their projects, their ideas, what they're up to, um, and just kind of what they've been playing. Uh, I, I try to find interesting people. Um, mm. and in particular people who, uh, who are kind of coming up and doing new things. And, um, uh, I, I like to think of it as like a cutting edge show, although I've certainly had some folks who've been around role-playing for a very long time. Uh, my first, my first interview was with Jason Morningstar. He was kind mm. enough to come on and, uh, and I had Lizzie Stark on, uh, right after, um, she's, a a famous reporter and LARP right um, in the world of live action games. Um, so yeah, just anyone doing interesting stuff in tabletop or LARP, um, I am interested in talking to them. And we have a very, uh, I've been told, uh, Ross Kalman called it intimidatingly well-researched <laughs> <laughs> interviews and um, that tend to be just kind of cozy and intimate and as interesting as I can darn well make them. I and I mean see I and I appreciate like coming from from the interview world at least or I don't like to call this an interview show because I, I'm actually an awful interview I'm just really good at conversation and it's actually I don't know if I use that as my excuse to not do any research uh, but it's the reason I don't do any research is is because when I first started podcasting in 2007, uh, doing the two hour kind of, uh, radio gimmick show where we would do bits and we would do segments and we would have interviews, uh, that were supposed to be traditional interviews. It was, I was, for me, I just, if I had research in front of me, I I'd have like 10 questions and just read down my 10 questions mm -hmm. and not interact with my guest. Um, and it's something that I've, I've, Thankfully, the one thing I've learned in the in the, in all of my time podcasting uh, is that I 
I can hold a conversation and that's what I'm my best. So I like to think of this as a long form conversational show versus interview show mm-hmm. that hopefully has an interview hidden somewhere in there. Uh, <laughs> but that I, I, I can't, I respect, like I, I, I'd love a lot. I listen to a lot of shows that are like this and like backstory. They're just interview shows. Um, and I can tell they all do research. They're all better people than me, yourself included, because you do all that research and all that. I, I can only imagine the amount of time um, that is spent researching because I, I know what it's like to do this show without that research. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, it does take some time. It's not nearly as much because it's usually just sitting here talking and doing the editing and maybe doing a little bit of research by the nature of, um, you know, of our conversations today, because I played Starcross, because I happened to see the box art for, for the queen and, and went down that rabbit hole. And just because I'm a fan of the one shot podcast network, um, you know, I, I naturally just kind of had that natural research built in that, that I've done, you know, however long we've been talking, maybe even longer than that from, from just listening to the, to the whole network over there. So, uh, but aside from that, like a, a lot of times I go in cold Turkey, like literally not even knowing the person's last name. Uh, so lucky for you, Al, Alex Roberts, I do know your last name. That's very flattering. You know, I, I will say uh, there's a very good um, short series of interviews called The Turnaround um, that I listened to a few years ago that is, uh, it's Jesse Thorne, who I think is is from the, the Maximum Fun podcast okay. network, interviewing a bunch of famous interviewers. And it's it's like, one of the best podcast projects I've ever listened to, not because I think Jesse Thorne is an amazing interviewer necessarily, but because the people that he talks to, which range from like Walter Matthau, Katie uh-huh. Couric to like Jerry Springer, the Jerry Springer episode oh. is actually my favorite. Oh, wow. um, like just super, super interesting people. Um, and all have such different like, theories and like Mm. reasons for what I like how they do their kind of thing and how they approach it. Um, and with what attitude and, um, one thing that came up is that, you know, Terry gross, for example, huge inspiration to me. Um, she has a whole team of people who will do her research for her and then present her with like summarized information that she will then bring forward in, into the conversation. But there is also, there's someone on there who I can't believe I forget his name now, but this is, um, you know, this is like a, a famous interviewer. You trust me on that. And, and he said, I just don't know his name. <laughs> um, might've been Larry King. Um, and he said, I, I don't want to know everything there is to know about my guest because I want to be in the role of my audience. He was like, I want to have the same question. I want to ask what my audience is wondering. And I want to be uh, to be having the same reactions that they would and be curious about what they're curious about uh, rather than, you know, making uh, making big assumptions about something, you know, only my guest and I are going to understand. So I think there's a lot of value in like not making assumptions and not mm-hmm. kind of giving yourself a bunch of preloaded concepts that you want to address and instead just going in with that like genuine curiosity about the other person. 
It, well, uh, thank you for calling me the next Larry King. That's what I heard. <laughs> Definitely is the, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and I actually, a lot of times I, what, I, what I'll do, at least internally, is, is I, like Craig Ferguson is, a, is um, another interviewer who, to my knowledge, from just like listening to like what other people have said, he's a guy who like when they do the pre-interview, he just ignores it all or he doesn't like they talk about nothing uh, and, and just have like a genuine conversation about like the weather or something. And then he just he goes out there and does uh, not anymore. But when he had a show, he would just go out there and and talk and, and have a genuine conversation. Um, and there was something validating about about that when I first started doing this show, like knowing that, Oh, and I didn't know that about Larry King. And that's, you know, again, another thing that kind of makes me feel a little bit more uh, professional, I guess, is that, <laughs> is that there's actual, you know, people who, who uh, make their career out of this doing uh, something similar to me. Um, definitely with a, a lot more uh, professionalism behind it, but, um, but, but yeah, that, that is, I do appreciate because even though what I think, all the people I, I listen to um, have in common is, is that they do research in some fashion. Um, they all have a unique show. And oftentimes I, I find myself trapped in the like, man, I wish I did my show a little bit like this. Um, like I was thinking about that today, listening to I, I've recently become like a fan and inspired by Michael Rosenbaum um, with his podcast inside of you. Uh, and um just the way, like, you, I can tell that he's researched, but the way he's so natural about the conversation, I fell into the trap of like, I wish I was like Michael Rosenbaum. Um, and, and then I, I, I realized that, like, it's better just to be me because because it's <laughs> only I can have the conversation, hopefully, that I had today with with Alex Roberts. Um, hopefully there was new information put out there or at least I don't know. I had a good I, I enjoy just sitting around talking. So that, that hopefully my audience feels the same way. Uh, even though I talk about uh, usually Kevin Smith and wrestling and Batman in every episode, you only got one of those today, guys. So be happy with that. Uh, I, think, I, I think like ultimately you have to have a genuinely interesting interaction with the person. Like the person can be as interesting and you can get as much interesting, like information, you know, extracted from them. But like it's, you know, I can I can tell you for sure that one of one of the one of the things about doing an interview that ensures to me the best interview at the end of the day is if I have spoken to the person already at a con, and I mm -hmm. I pretty much don't do interviews at cons anymore because I would rather spend that hour having a handful of like short conversations with a bunch of new people who I haven't met before, and then I'll mm -hmm. talk to them you know, online later and, and record remotely because just getting a feel for how someone talks and, uh, you know, what our dynamic is like, not even as a vetting process, like just as a bit of a warm up to like, Oh, cool. We can like engage. And, yeah. uh, like to me that, uh, that just gives us such a, a head start in a convo. So I, I, I think that, yeah, just the, the dynamic, the, the banter is really mm. important. For sure. Like, that's something that I like, I'm so lucky that in uh, 151 plus episodes with various specials that I've done, and, and I guess not all of them have been interviewed because we have done some actual plays and whatnot, um, and various other shenanigans. 
I've been very lucky that I think I can only think of like one or two interviews where like it was just really hard to get through the hour mm. uh, and, and it probably was cut short because of that, uh, because the other person was was not um, able to like converse with me. And, and I can most I think there's been a good split in this conversation, but you know, I, people know that listen to this show know that I can talk for 95% of the time if, if need be. Uh, but I still need the other person to give me something. Uh, and, and I, I'm very lucky. I'm going to knock on wood. Uh, I'm very lucky that, that out of all the episodes I've done of everything is awesome. Uh, I have not really had like a bad interview. Um, at least not more than once or twice. And I think that's like, that's such a good record uh, considering I'm the guy who like is a shitty interviewer. <laughs> well, you know, we also talked when we were talking about video, like what actually matters at the end of the day is that you enjoy the process. You know, none of us mm. are making the big bucks doing this stuff. <laughs> and, and even if we were, I think it would still be so important that we are actually enjoying it and actually having some fun yes. with it. So yeah, let's, let's keep yes. having fun. All right, Alex Roberts, thank you for spending the last hour or so with me. Um, thank you for working through the scheduling uh, and, uh, and whatnot. Uh, it was a genuine pleasure to sit down and, ch and chat with you. And I hope you uh, come back on the show sometime. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. This was really, really lovely. And, uh, and yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll talk some other time. And uh, before we let you go, just let everyone know where they can find you and your work on the interwebs. Absolutely. The best place to go is helloalexroberts.com. Uh, I, I post links to all my work there. Um, you can you can find the podcast and, you know, my Twitter and all that stuff through there. Um, if you do want to go to oneshotpodcast.com, um, that's the place to find the podcast also. And if you're interested in Starcrossed, you can go to bit.ly slash Starcrossed RPG. Um, if you're interested in For the Queen, I have bit.ly slash For the Queen. And that will take you to the Bully, Bully Pulpit Games and the Evil Hat Productions websites, respectively, to learn more about those games. All right. There you go. And if you are uh, driving in the car or whatever, the links will be in the show notes so that you can look it up later at your desk. Uh, Alex, thank you once again for being on the show. Well, thanks so much. Thank you once again to Alex for being on the show. Uh, what a wonderful person to sit down and speak with. I can't wait uh, to pick up a copy of Starcrossed for myself to have in my own personal library. Uh, it's going to look beautiful with all the other games that I have. Uh, and I can't wait for the new uh, her new game, For the Queen. Um, it looks like, some as of now, uh, as I'm recording, there's some activity moving on that as well. Be sure to check out HelloAlexRoberts.com uh, for more details on everything Alex has going on with uh, Starcrossed, with For the Queen, and everything else she may or may not be working on. And, of course, uh, Backstory Podcast uh, can be found on the One Shot Podcast Network. Uh, available on several podcatchers like iTunes and or Apple Podcasts, whatever they call it, Google Play, and several several others. Uh, thank you all for sitting down and listening to this uh, dopey dopey podcast. Uh, everything is awesome means the world to me, and it means the world to me that you are taking time out of your day to listen to this show. Uh, you could be doing anything with your time, and you're choosing to spend an hour or so with me and my guest each and every week, uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, and, and whatnot. 
Um, I actually have to. Uh, I'm gonna be changing the um, the the pre-recorded stuff I have on the very back end of this show because we've changed some links um, as the time of this recording is happening. Uh, even though maybe during the time that I did the interviews, they were actually something else. But uh, so I don't know how the end of this show is going to shake out after I, I cut this me off. But uh, if you're looking for ways to support this show, the best way you can do that is to support me. Uh, and you can, if you go to twitter.com uh, slash that nerdy kev at that nerdy kev on twitter.com. Right now, I have pinned to my profile page. Uh, like just some helpful links that are about me and the things I do. Uh, and some of those links are ways that you can support me. You can support me by buying a coffee at coffee.com uh, slash that nerdy Kev. You can support me $3 at a time. If you wish, you can go to patreon.com slash that nerdy Kev. That's the big one. We, um, we changed the Patreon from a network Patreon to just one for me. Uh, and I feel like it's going to be easier to manage that way. I don't necessarily have to rely on other shows and other people to create content. Uh, and anything that I'm working on um, as an on-air personality or even in an editing capacity, um, that one's a little trickier. But at least as an on-air uh, personality, I usually have the ability to share with you guys uh, for early access uh, on patreon.com slash thatnerdykev. So if you would love to support me and everything I do, I, the best place to do that is is on our Patreon, patreon.com slash thatnerdykev. Uh, it is basically a subscription service where you can subscribe to the things that I do, uh, which we're gearing up. Uh, Mike and I are actually meeting this weekend to talk about all the videos we have planned. We're going to start recording videos. We're going to hopefully start releasing in mid-March some, um, some original sketches and skits and stuff like that, uh, gearing up for like a, a much better, bigger kind of um, layout that we have for the summer if things go our way. Uh, we also are going to be doing more podcasting uh, and, and whatnot. And all that stuff is going to drop first through the Patreon here on patreon.com slash thatnerdykev. So if you want early access to all that, uh, the best way to support us is there on the patreon.com slash thatnerdykev. And all the funds we raise through that uh, go right back into everything that I do. Um, maybe one day I'll collect a paycheck for doing this kind of stuff. But right now, the number one concern is um, covering costs, covering hosting fees. Uh, and then beyond that, that way we're, we're at least breaking even. And then beyond that, it's um, hiring an editor to help to uh, alleviate the, my plate and help uh, me with other projects that I want to work on and whatnot. Uh, that way I don't have to spend so much time editing my podcast or these other podcasts that I have planned, started, uh, planned to start. Uh, and and I want to do that. I want to... I pay people to just enhance everything I work on, whether it be game design, whether it be podcasting, whether it be video work and stuff like that. Uh, I really, really would love to enhance that. I mean, we have a, our ultimate goal is to kind of get everything officially on books versus going through me and whatnot. Um, and I would love to hit I think it's like four or five hundred dollars a month uh, to to cover the the cost of us going official, going legit uh, as a legitimate company, uh, because that involves a lot of things with state filing, um, trademarks and stuff, uh, and a lot of other boring legal stuff that uh, I would have to do in order to to uh, make everything legit and 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 make this really a not a full time job, but make it something that. 
uh, is a sustainable thing and, and has potential for growth in the future. Uh, and that all comes from you guys. So uh, if you can if you can support us on a monthly basis with patreon.com slash that nerdy kev, that'd be great. If not, you can always buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash that nerdy kev. Uh, and of course, the biggest thing you guys can do is leave a five-star rating review on iTunes for Everything is Awesome. Just search for Everything is Awesome. Uh, make sure you select the yellow background uh, podcast. The other one with Taco Cats is our good friends uh, on the West Coast that do a podcast called Everything is Awesome with uh, Casey and uh, Casey and Jeff, Jeff and Casey. <laughs> I, I don't know who goes for I forget who takes the lead. Uh, we're, we're the other one. We're the Everything is Awesome podcast. So if you could leave a five-star rating and review, that'd be great. I, I, I We haven't had a new rating in quite some time, so please leave one. And if I find it, I'll read it right here on uh, on air. Um there's so much more that I want to talk about, but we're, we've taken so much of your time. So thank you all so much uh, for listening to the show and, and for supporting us for all these episodes and whatnot. Uh, and we'll be back next week with some more exciting podcasts right here on the That's Entertainment Podcast Network on thatentertains.com slash network. And of course, on our homepage, awesomepodcast.com. We'll see you next time, folks. We like to end Everything is Awesome with a call to action. Super friends, there are a lot of terrible things happening right now. It can feel like you can't do anything to help, but you can. It takes people like us to make a difference. One of the easiest and most effective ways to action is to call your representatives about issues that are important to you. Issues like Trump's national emergency declaration. Uh, A couple weeks ago, uh, Donald Trump, President Trump, declared a state of emergency on the U.S. southern border and redirected over $6.5 billion to construct uh, a wall that's uh, 234 miles long. Um, He's diverted these funds uh, from uh, money that was appropriated by Congress for military, for military construction, Pentagon drug prevention, uh, and, uh, and another Treasury Department drug forfeiture fund. Uh, this is insane that he has uh, basically abused his power as president to bypass Congress to fund his pet project. There's a reason that this wall has not been built yet. There's a reason he can't get Mexico to, to pay for this wall. Uh, and the fact that uh, he is abusing his power to get this money, uh, he shut down the government for the longest shutdown in U.S. history. Uh, Congress struck a bipartisan deal just days before declaring a national emergency that included uh, oh, just under uh, $1.5 billion for his wall, which is not what he wanted for it. Uh, he wanted 5.7. Uh, somehow he got 6.6 uh, with this national emergency. Uh, and because he did not get the money he wanted, he's declared uh, a national emergency uh, ignoring constitutional standing and harming uh, so much harm for diverting these funds. Uh, we need we need you guys, uh, myself included, uh, to have to, to let Congress know that this act is uh, is unreasonable. Uh, no matter what party you are, you're part of, uh, unreasonable. This power grab by Trump is inexcusable and must be met with sharp resistance and repercussions. Call your representatives. Write your representatives, however it is you want to do it. Let's let everyone know that we uh, do not agree with this national emergency that Trump has declared. When I call my reps, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, you'll find issue summaries for issues that are important to you, contact information for your representatives, and a script to read while you're on the phone to make sure your message gets across. Calling is quick 
easy, and is one of the most effective ways to have your voice heard. Thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon.com slash That Entertains. Without their support, we wouldn't be able to bring this episode to you. If you want to support us in a non-monetary way, word-of-mouth recommendations and five-star rating reviews on iTunes are the best way to spread the good word of awesome. You can find us on Facebook.com and Twitter at RealAwesomePod or at AwesomePodcast on Instagram. And we're available on AwesomePodcast.com and ThatEntertains.com slash network. Get news about everything is awesome from our website, social media accounts, and also on my personal Twitter at ThatNerdyKev. If you're interested in ad rates, live appearances, help with your podcast, or have a question or comment, email us at awesome at CrudeHumorStudios.com. Everything is Awesome is a production of That's Entertainment Podcast Network in association with Crude Humor Studios. Crude Humor Studios is a Philadelphia-based production company specializing in audio, video, and live performances. You can find more info at CrudeHumorStudios.com. Thanks for listening, super friends. We've been awesome. That's Entertainment Podcast Network. Entertainment and culture. Artist-owned. Fan-supported.